Hey, it's Jim Dunk with Nest Realty and Sweat the Details. This week, Jonathan Keith and I talked about interest rates, yield spread, sellers wanting to sell and buy, what buyers, sellers, and brokers should be doing right now to get ready for 2024 market, assuming we have a, a robust spring 2024 market. Talked about Keith's recent visit to Chicago, small brokers, brand identity, and what brokers are offering consumers and agents. Thanks for listening. As we're planning the next few months, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please email me at jim at nestrealty.com. Uh, it's the end of the summer, kind of. That's what they say. School's starting for some people. It is. It, we are now into the third week in some of the counties around Charlottesville are back, um, ready, going. The sports are, are well underway. And yeah, most, I think almost, I think everybody will be in school next week by Wednesday or by Wednesday of this week. Which is amazing. Day after Even tomorrow. just state to state how different the start dates are because I was seeing the first couple days of August friends in Georgia, South Carolina. They've been going back. Back to school and like they're, they're almost at their hundredth day already. I, I never started school before Labor Day. Like that was growing up. That was always our mark was the Wednesday after Labor Day is when, when our school went back. I have no idea how long when I started. It was so long ago that I just I know that I went to high school and beyond that I have no idea. It's because of King's Dominion, right? That well, the King's Dominion rule was was passed when I was in high school, but then every school ignored it. Every county got around it, but it was you weren't yeah you weren't supposed to have any school in Virginia start before uh, Labor Day so that your summer employers could keep their their high school students through the through Labor Day. Well, my daughter's college roommate. Uh, we just moved my wife and I moved her into her college the other day. Uh, her college roommate is, you know, worked at Bush Gardens all summer, you know, so I worked at Kings Dominion. Yeah, it's a so great it's, job. It's a, it's a, it, it's a great end of the summer to, to get the kids back in school, start looking uh, for the school buses that are able to make it on the road, uh, which is yeah, a, there's a really a, sore subject around the country. Is there more of a housing, housing shortage or a school bus driver a driver shortage? shortage. I mean, driver we, shortage. We yeah. talked a few months about, about luxury. It sounds like school buses are, are a luxury in this market right now. Right. Um, but no, I mean, it's end of summer. We're heading into fall, allegedly. Um, things will might be, you know, start cooling down perhaps uh, one day. Um, you know, the spring market will be here before we know it, which is frightening to if say. If we have a spring market. We, haven't, we haven't had a spring market since 2019. We've so. had a market. Yeah. <laughs> we haven't. It's, I, I do predict that, you put, put me on the record, as I do, I do predict that we will have a spring market. This I think, year. I think well, we all what, is it, what does that mean though for you right now? What what does the spring think, market look at? Well, here we are in you know basically the late August. I don't think anything's gonna. There's gonna be no transactions between now and March fifteenth, uh, based on what's happening with with mortgage rates and things like that. And then all of a sudden the floodgates are gonna open. I'm joking with that. But what <laughs> with you know I, I think that the spring market you you know you think of kind of that proverbial bell curve over the course of the mm -hmm. year. If you look at January through December and the spring market is the beginning of the upswing of the bell curve and it's not a perfect bell curve because it dips and then it kind of picks up again and there's definitely ebbs and flows over the year but the spring market is when you know buyers are ready to buy and sellers are ready to sell and it's just you know so gets, we're going to see an uptick in new listings in february i do think we will see an uptick in new listings i, I do i think i think there are people right now that are thinking about selling that do not uh, want to sell right now, but they're prepping to sell and they're stockpiling some more, some more money away and maybe watching their equity bump up a little bit and knowing that they're going to get into having to spend more money, um, and what their payments going to go up in the spring and they're, they're going to be getting used to that. Uh, and I do think that we're, we're getting to that point. I mean, I was, I was with a, a, a client over the weekend and he said, you know, rates are, are high. They're higher than when we started, I think, 
like two years ago. <laughs> you know, they're higher than, but we are. 21 a, year high. Yeah, 21 year high. And he said, but we're in a small place. We want a bigger place and we're going to buy a house eventually. You know, the time is going to come when they're going to see a house that's just, you know, within their range that they're going to buy a house and they're going to sell their house. So, I mean, it's just, you know, which we talked, you know, many years ago. I mean, the people are going to still need to buy, still need to sell, and it's just might be a little bit slower than we've been accustomed to, accustomed to over the last it, three it's years. It's going to be, and it's going to be which slower than I thought. I was, and we've talked on, we've talked here about how the prediction was rates would start to drop a little bit. And look, you know, knock on wood, that's still hopefully will happen. The right. signs are pointing to, if you look at, you know, the numbers over the long run, the rates should drop. They are, you know, we've heard this forever in the last three years, historically high or, you know, once in a generation this or once in a generation that. We're at a 21-year high uh, for for rates, uh, even though the 10-year treasury is, you know, based on yeah. the 10-year treasury, the rates should be lower than they are right now, but So, so just, you know, for the, for the listeners, we're recording this on August 21st, and rates hit 8% today. Eight. Eight. Um, and, and they were, you know, I actually hadn't paid attention for a couple of days. And the last well, I you saw... You didn't have to pay attention for a couple of days. They weren't eight a few yeah. days ago. I mean, this <laughs> is not... Last <laughs> week, they were 7.2. Right. So, so, so tomorrow, who knows? But we are... Uh, and we're going to release this on the 22nd. So we're, you're listening to us the next day. But yeah, I mean, we're seeing... And now, I haven't looked at the way this is impacted by today. But a couple of weeks ago, I was looking at a chart that actually showed real income and required percentage of payments for the median household based upon, you know, the 90% loan and blah, blah, blah. But it actually hasn't gone up significantly. Yes, the rates have gone up and yes, the payments have gone up, but the actual amount of household income required or the percentage of household income required hasn't been off the chart the way that we feel like it should have been given the mortgage payment rise. Now, this bump today may have have right pretty much made a made a big dent in that, and hopefully this is a pretty temporary piece. But hopefully it's temporary. But going back to our Bush Gardens, King's Dominion, this is this is a roller coaster. Yeah. Right. We're we're on a roller coaster, and and things have have gone up. And but it's like Space Mountain, where you don't actually know what the track <laughs> ahead of you has. <laughs> it's, it is a roller coaster. It's not comforting at just, all. Just yeah. close your eyes. <laughs> And it's better than the grizzly that always yeah. feels like it's going to fall apart, right? It's, it's, <laughs> it's just true. know where it's going. No, I, mean, I, I think that we're looking at sellers now that we're, you know, any any agent right now is talking to sellers who are looking at the spring. And it, and it's, I'd like to say it's rocket science, but it's the same conversation we have every single time. Clean your house. Declutter. Do the projects. There is a buyer for your house. There is an agent who's willing, to, who's willing and able to, to represent you. And that stuff hasn't changed. What's changed is are the timelines of a lot of these things and the number of buyers out there who don't need to sell a house in order to qualify. So I, so I will say yesterday, Washington Post ran an article on the eight tips for how to make your house look clean when people say they're coming in 20 minutes. I saw did that on how to, how to fake a clean did you, house. Did you, read, did you read their eight tips? No. So, all right, so these tips are things like, turn on all the lights because a bright house looks cleaner than a dark house. Okay, fine. <laughs> whatever the, Maybe. Whatever their seven <laughs> tips were. But the eighth tip was, hilariously enough, keep your house clean on a daily basis so you don't have to have these tips. And I think for our, for our sellers, for people who are thinking about selling the house, don't wait until 
you wake up and you go, wow, let's list our house next week. This is something that you, you know, as a seller, as a buyer, you can be preparing your credit report. You can be preparing your savings. You can be preparing your house. These are things that maybe today is not the day you want to do it. But when that day comes, you do not want to be in an ill-prepared spot. And I think that was the funniest part of that, that Washington Post article is it actually was, okay, here are ways to fake it, but all of them are bad and you should just be doing things. On a First off, basis. I don't think that chat GPT has ever cleaned a house. So I don't know if that, <laughs> they were qualified with writing that article right there, but you know, it, it the eighth point is a, it's a valid point is, yeah. you know, kind of get preparation, and, stay prepared and, and start, you start getting ready for, yeah. for what's going to happen. I know we don't know this and there's no way to figure it out, but you, you kind of wonder with rates popping, you know, 80 bips in the last 48 Day. hours yeah. or so, um, how many listings didn't come on the market because of that? And how many listings are going to come off the market because of that. And, and, and it's not a tried and true, um, Apple, you know, one-to-one or, you know, kind of ratio of like, if rates go down, inventory should come on the market or rates go up and inventory comes off the market. But you know, if you're thinking about buying a house and you're like, all right, I can sell and I can go buy that next house. And then all of a sudden, you know, your affordability, your payment goes up by $500 a month. Right. Right. There's a real uh, it, there's a real financial and psychological effect of, of when those rates do do what they do when they go higher. You know, so I think that there's a lot. You know, I think that we might have a, a cold winter in, with sellers doing the preparation who pull their houses off the market, you know, mid to late October rather than mid to late November. Yeah. Or something like that, because it's just, you know, if you're not able to, to do what you need, need or want to. Well, if you're not able to do what you want to do, you'll pull your house off. Sure. Because the ones who right. still need to or do if that you thing are scared that there you might not be able to. Correct. It's, it's that. It's like, whoa, my gosh, what would happen if I get an offer tomorrow? Where do I go? Because now and, I can't and afford we, it. This has been a problem for three years, but now it's exacerbated even more with with the rates up where they are. It's like, oh my gosh, if it went up eighty bips yesterday, could it go up another eighty tomorrow, or will it drop fifty? Um, well, and I, I will say, I think, you know, this is where working with a great lender is important, but I also think lenders need to start changing the way they approach the buyer. And I think, you know, if you, it's great to say someone, tell someone they're approved for a $400,000 loan today, but the reality is what if it does move 25, 50, 150 basis points up or down, what does that do? And I think any agent needs to be able to tell their their clients, this is what's going to happen to your mortgage payment. Or if you're comfortable with that mortgage payment, this is the amount of purchasing power you you gain or lose with with different movements. What's the stress test for an individual family? What's the what's the pain threshold or what's the the pleasure profile look for them? I mean where what what benefit do they get from a, a lower rate? And I think you need to know it. I, I think the the buyers need to know what their comfort I use when I work with buyers I use a term, I'm very deliberately use a term, your mm -hmm. comfortable price point. Right. Because any lender will say you can qualify for X, but X might be a, a, a number where you are not at all comfortable because you need to feed your dogs and your cats. And, well, and I've, I've always told every buyer, do not go into a meeting with a lender and ask, how much do I qualify for? No, you go and sit down with a budget, understand what you want to be paying for a mortgage payment. I want to pay $2,750 a month. That's my, my point. And go in and say, how much money can I borrow at twenty seven fifty a month? So Keith, what what would you tell a you know a buyer or a seller you know tomorrow that they need to do in order to, if they if they're like you know I'm looking at a job transfer maybe February, 
you know, we've had the conversation about moving to you know, somewhere in the Midwest or wherever. Well, I mean, I, what, I, the, what does that seller need to start doing? And what does the buyer coming in need to be doing? Well, I mean, I think any buyer, whether it's a move across country or if it's, you know, hey, we just found out we're pregnant. We want to buy a house in Charlottesville. I mean, it, same same conversation. But I think it's it starts with that comfort point. What What is the monthly payment that you want to make as a, as a family that you want to put towards housing? Where does that qualify? Now, meet with your lender. Ask what that qualifies for. And ask what happens with rise and fall of interest rates and where does this go where look even if even if rates go back down 150 200 basis points over the next three months which the economists seem to have a consensus is is very possible in the next 12 months um even if that does happen what does that really do for you in terms of purchasing power and what is it that we need to be doing because the other question is Okay, fine. You can't buy the house you want today at 8% because that's not a comfortable piece. How much does it need to move and at what point do you need to be prepared to act and, and when should you start looking and when should you start really giving consideration? Again, having things ready and, and we've talked to our preferred lenders with Nest and they've said, yeah, we'll pre-qualify somebody for everything. We'll run their entire underwriting minus the appraisal so that when they find the house, they're 100% ready to go as, soon, as long as that property appraises. That's the, that's the buyer you want to be. And that's that's the position I think any buyer should be in. And because my role is to ask the, the the questions that some people might might not be afraid to ask, from a buyer's perspective and from a, even from a seller's perspective, what's underwriting? I mean, what does that mean when you say I'm through a fully, underwriting? Yeah, fully underwritten loan. It, you know, what we're talking about is to get a pre qualification. And I, I'm sure that lenders who are listening are gonna gonna call and complain about me. But you know, lenders will do a couple of things, and there are different variations of this. Number one, they they should absolutely be running a credit report. They should be making sure that you're actually a credit worthy person, but they are most likely relying upon buyer provided borrower provided information of what your income is, what your assets are, what your cash availability is. And then they're running a credit report and saying, based on those four numbers, you can afford X underwriting. will go through and check with your employer and verify that you have a job and verify that your income is what you said it was. They're going to go to your bank and they're going to see a three month history of, of assets. They're going to see that you have the cash available. They're going to see that you don't have any other debts that are, are new and they're going to start tracking your credit and they're going to have pulled the credit and they're going to say at this, we're going to be able to provide, you know, your credit score is, is 780 or above. Therefore you're going to have the highest level of, of best rates available. And this is, this is how it translates. All you need to do is identify the house you want to purchase, hand us the address, we'll run the appraisal and everything else is already taken care of. So back to talking about high school, you know, preparation and doing homework, it pays off for the buyer. Because I think yeah. that that buyer is going to be, when if we're in a competitive market, which is It's close like, to a cash offer. It, it's, it's as, as close, close as you're, as you're going to get, get. When, you're, when you go in and, and the buyer has that and the agent's able to explain yep. that as well. Yep. So what would you, you know, Jonathan, what would you tell an agent who's looking at the, you know, looking at, you know, 20, God, 2024, my... God, I'm old. Um, Twenty twenty four is around the corner. What does that agent need to be doing to prep for you know for their business and for their clients? You know what what do they what do they need to be doing right now? Yeah, I think I think right now it's you know it, it's a little bit cliche, but it's a it's a back to the basics right now. Now is the time to be reaching out to you know. And look, I don't want to say that we should. Um, say that 2023 is a wash. Right? I was joking earlier, but there are still transactions. There are still properties going to be listed. Mm -hmm. There are still going to be buyers. Um, I saw one of our agents in, in a North Carolina office posted, uh, not in a bragging way, the other day on social media that she had a sale 
that went under contract to close in three days. Resale, right? That's that's fast, right? So there's still sales to be had, and sometimes, wow. so you you know you can't Do you can't get title insurance. On this? <laughs> you can't you can't say oh, I'm not going to make any more money the rest of the year, right? Um, but it's okay to start thinking about the future. And one of my favorite Dave Matthews quotes is, "The future is no place to place your better days." And so you don't want to think just about the future and like that's. I'm just, Hey, the spring is going to be great. The spring, the summer is going to be great. Now, now is there's still opportunity now. And so it's connecting with clients, making sure your database is in order. Um, you know, getting to know the market, right? Cause yeah. this market is continually changing, getting out there, looking at properties, tracking things on a day-to-day -day basis, um, and just building that foundation. So when the when the when the wave comes again, you're you're ready to go. But I really, really, it's this is an opportunity to educate yourself, to get better, to get organized, and to um, spend some time reconnecting with clients. I mean, as of right now, we've said this a thousand times. It's still a people a, a people business, and you know people you know buyers and sellers they need to talk to people to figure out what they're going to do with their lives, uh, and that's where we can really really come in and help. Yeah. So as the summer, you know, kind of wraps a little bit, Keith, you just got back from uh, a little trip, uh, work trip. Tell us about that. Yeah, I, I, I was stoked. I went out uh, to Chicago for a couple of days. Um, NAR hosts a conference every August with all of the, the association executives from around the country and their incoming presidents. Um, so they go out and do that for two days and then right on the heels of that, because everybody's already in Chicago that's in that leadership group, Zillow hosts a conference um, as well. It's their their showing time summit. And this year, you know, I'd say there were 200 people, including all of the Zillow employees. Um, so probably 110, 120, um, you know, association people and, and, you know, broker leaders. And so I was invited out to, to go to that a fabulous group. This is um, it's the Showing Time Plus Summit. But what was fascinating about it is that Zillow is really, as a company is right now, it, it, it is becoming very apparent in the marketplace that they're dividing themselves, at least on a public persona and a branding position, to go into two different companies. There is Zillow and there is Showing Time Plus. Um, it's all one company, but but from the brand side, they're, they're focusing everything into one of these two groups. Zillow is going to be the consumer-facing if you want to learn about a house, a property, a marketing, you want to buy something, you want to list something, Zillow is the place where it's going to take place. Um, but Showing Time Plus is their brand of, their family of brands that are are really dedicated to providing services and solutions for agents, brokers, lenders, photographers, everybody involved in the back end of the of the real estate. So this is scheduling software. This is offer, um, you know, they, they call it an offer pad, but it's a it's a group that that allows you to kind of put together competing offers. It's so, it's software now that allows our photographers to upload high resolution imagery directly into the MLS and into Zillow and into our our uh, company 
uh, tech stacks. It's a, it's solutions for agents who maybe don't have a great photographer that Zillow will come in through this, through one of their, their services and do interactive floor plans and they will do photography and they will do twilight, um, photoshopping for your, for your house. They will, you know, it's everything that the listing agent or the buyer's agent needs on the back end. Um, and it really, you know, hearing directly from the chief economist about what's going on at Zillow, hearing about what is really taking place. And some of the, you know, just weird stats, the fact that, you know, we're talking about a small inventory. We're talking about, will there be a spring market? We're talking about all these things. The reality is right now, the Zillow numbers are pointing at 23% of all homeowners want to sell their house in the next three years. That's a lot bigger than we feel like it is, given the fact that we haven't seen listings popping on the market. And Contextually, so, is that is that high or low historically? It's, it's the highest that they've that they've ever tracked. So like fifteen um, in like fifteen years, probably. Yeah. So prior to this quarter, they had never seen it above nineteen percent. Now they're at twenty three percent of of homeowners, and it's 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 the high. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a bump. It's yeah. and it's something it's un it's unexpected given what we think of as what we're seeing in the marketplace. You know what we've been feeling for the last few years, while we just don't see inventory. Um, and I think, you know, that's, it's, it's nice to know that there's a pent up demand to sell because we've kind of gotten terrified that nobody well, wants to it, move right You now. know, really diving into that, it, it makes sense because I, I know that people feel as though they have golden handcuffs with their low interest rates, yeah. but I've had several conversations with, um, people that, that run, uh, renovation companies the last couple weeks. Um, and they're all extremely busy, but it is very expensive now to renovate your house. Mm -hmm. Not only is it very expensive, but you might have to wait a year to get your kitchen done. So, you know, th this, this churn that's, that's about to happen. People six months ago may have said, ah, I'm just going to stay here and renovate and, you know, get a HELOC. And then all of a sudden now a HELOC is, you know, expensive and they may if not you be can get them at all. if you can get them at all. Right. Um, and so, so it makes sense that, that people are really kind of looking outside and saying, uh, maybe it's not the worst thing in the world to, to move and, yeah. and trade in my two and a half for a little bit higher rate. Yeah, no, I mean, and I think, you know, back to the Chicago meeting, I think the, the best part about it is not just hearing what, what showing time is up to. It's, it's being able to sit and have lunch with broker owners of, of some phenomenal companies around the country, small independents, franchisors, franchisees. And just hearing what's going on, because I think so often we become very insulated in in our own discussions and looking at what's going on within Nest and within the mm -hmm. Charlottesville market or the Richmond market or wherever we're operating. And it's just nice to sit down with people from Oregon and from Texas and from everywhere and just hear, you know what, we're all kind of facing similar stories. They're not identical, but they're they're definitely the same it's the same book, different chapters. Yeah, but that was my question: Is there a thread that you saw that that we that was woven through all the stories they were telling? Is it you know low inventory, high rates? Is it the same stuff, or is it you know some deviation by you know big city versus rural or, or something like that? I, I will I will preface by saying I think that because of the nature of the conference, there are certain firms that show up at these meetings right. versus others. So I think before we even had a discussion, we're we're in a we're in a similar family. Um, but the indies that we sat with were really excited about everything they're doing for their own on marketing. People are really recognizing, um, and, and we need to get into a discussion on, on sweat the details to talk about some of the, the lawsuits and the changing pending, um, you know, happenings with buyer brokerage, because that was the number one discussion that right. we had, um, that was not related to something that, 
you know, a product that we were talking about and seeing. But um, yeah, I mean, I think people are excited about the opportunity to show value and where they're going to find that value as a broker. Where are we providing that value back for our agents and where are agents providing the value back to the, the consumer? Did you hear that? I mean, one of the things that, again, going back many years about how the, the real estate brand in, in a lot of a lot of ways became meaningless. And then there was an upsurge of brand identity meaning something. Mm-hmm. Are you seeing that brand is mattering more to agents? And did you hear about consumers recognizing the value that a brand brings? So let me just say that, again, because almost everybody in that room was a broker owner, right? there's nothing more important than the broker brand to anyone in that room. So, <laughs> you know, we are starting with a very okay, small... Okay, when they had three drinks, what did they say? We're starting with a very small group. <laughs> but no, I think, you know, the here's the thing. Agent or, you know, owners that I'm sitting there talking with were all pulling out individualized materials of things they're working on for their, their firms. So... I'm pulling out the Nest Magazine, you know, Greg Fisher, who's been on this podcast in the past. Greg's pulling out copies of, of what Weston Maine is doing in terms of marketing materials, in terms of, of magazines. And I got to say, if you get your hands on it, the paper quality is fantastic what Greg's doing. Um, but it's, it's those little things. But everybody was focused on what are we doing to show what our, our firm is providing. And it was clear marketing is key to to every one of these these guys growth and and whether you're talking about providing the marketing directly yourself as a brand or being an owner who can find the services that allow the agents to differentiate i think that was you know that's the big piece and how do we how do we keep our agents our partners and productive in that and and everybody's focused on it. i mean and i think in in that sense there were there was one agent you know one owner i talked with who's who's got thousands and thousands of franchised agents who are part of, you know, several brands that he has. And it's the same story with him even. I mean, it's, it's maybe a different level of, of individualization, but it's this, he's focused on the same thing for his agents that we are with ours in terms of trying to, to be a partner to, to grow. Now, I think we're doing a great job with it in a very hyper local manner. And that's, that's our niche. It's it's comforting. It's comforting to hear that there are so many other brokerages out there who are setting a high standard for their agents. Yeah. I think that we look around the country. Also, it's easy to to cherry pick, you know, the ones that just aren't. Yeah, who aren't providing that value that we perceive, you know, great agents deserve. And hearing that other brokerages are setting a high standard, it's it's comforting. I think that we all benefit by competing. You know, when you when you're in a race. You you race you know harder when you have somebody who's, who's good next to you or maybe right behind you you know you know but you're going to push harder when you when you're when you have that around you. But I will say it was fun. I I had dinner with the chief economist from Zillow and and Skyler, who's also been a guest in the past on on Sweat the Details. She and I were talking about Zillow Talk, which is a book that Spencer Raskoff and and I think Stan Humphreys was the chief economist at the time came out. And when she reminded me that book is twelve years old now, that. She she's like we really ought to go back and revisit, and we were talking about different chapters that deserve the revisit. That's twelve years old. That book. I mean, that's a long. The data in the, our in the our data world, analytics they had back time. then were 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 outstanding. I wonder what they they could do today. No, so I think the thing that always that I always think about from that book was the word unique, is the most the most negative connotative connotative word in a listing description from a value perspective was unique. Yeah, which you know nobody you know. People say they want a unique house. They really don't want a unique house. At least the market doesn't want a unique house. 
Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and I think we also look at where, you know, all of this kind of focus is. She was leaving Chicago to go up to an affordable housing conference. And I think these are the conversations that every community's having, every agent's having. I mean, this is, it's, it is kind of comforting to know we're, we're, whichever market we're talking about, we are, we are all in this together. And I do think that we're focusing on the right stuff. And it was just, it was a great week in Chicago. It really was. How was the weather? Was it cold? Um, it was pouring down rain when I arrived and then it was glorious the whole time I was there until I got to O'Hare to leave and had, what was it? Four hours, five hours of delays and got home at, you know, well after my day was supposed to have been over. But yeah, other than, other than travel, which is always the thing in the well, I mean, I think I remember a time when, you know, some people drove, drove, drove back hours. from Chicago uh, to yeah, Charlottesville. That was, a, that was a long night. Halloween 2019. <laughs> That was a long night. Yes, it was. So, but uh, no, I didn't have to drive this time, so it was great. It was a good trip. Cool. Good to hear. Glad, glad, uh, glad it was a great, uh, um, great couple days for you. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm glad to be back and start implementing and thinking about where we, where we're headed. So 2024, any, any, uh, any thoughts or predictions? You want to make it wait, wait till like November, December before we throw out predictions. I'll wait till November 24. <laughs> <laughs> How about 25? Just I'll, be real I'll safe. predict where we are in 24. <laughs> well, you know, let's see. It's the end of summer. Let's, uh, you know, have yep. a good rest of 2024, but we'll be back uh, in a couple weeks with another episode. Yep. I think um, we got uh, Cynthia Adams from Pearl Certification will be up in a couple weeks. and Talking about IRA, energy efficiency, and... Um, it's a fun conversation too. Yeah. So Jonathan Keith, thank you. All right. Hey everybody. Thanks for listening. We really appreciate your spending the time with us. If you find this valuable, please go to wherever you get your podcast and rate and review us. It doesn't just make us feel good, but really does help others find us with the details. As we're planning the next few months, we'd love to hear your thoughts. Please email Jim at nestrealty.com with ideas for shows you'd like to hear. Thank you as always to our sound engineer, Dave Stipe with Little Roadie Productions. Thanks for listening, y'all.